Right. We are back with episode two with Christy Bartlett. Um, and yeah, welcome back to the Dietitian Mindset podcast and welcome, Christy. Hey, now, What's going on? <laughs> all right. So Christy's background is a strength coach and I'll kind of let you talk about more about everywhere you've been and, and all of your background and everything. So take it away. Okay. Let's see. I got a well, I guess I started, I got my uh, idea of being a strength coach because I played basketball in college. I looked at my strength coach and I said, this is a job, Like this is a job. If you get free gear, you get like, you get to hang out in like this juice box with like 18 year olds and like lift weights. I was like, I want to do this. And I had started out as an athletic training major. Um, and he was just like, you're not going to be able to do the hours and all that kind of stuff to, uh, while and still play basketball so I was like all right cool I want to do what you do then so he's like all right you got to change your major to exercise science so I was like done so I started uh what did I do I finished basketball or I'm sorry I'm in like my freshman year and then I started cold calling all these strength coaches I started reading everything I could about strength mm -hmm. conditioning and collegiate sector and I ran across this article by this guy named Jim Steele up at University of Pennsylvania. He was the head strength coach there. And I emailed him. I was like, hey, man, I want to come work for you. He's like, who are you? And I'm like, Christy. And I was like, he's like, do you have any experience? And I'm like, no, I'm in school. Like, I'm playing ball. Like, but I want to I want to come work for you. He wrote this article and I fell in love with it. And I was like, that's the guy I want to work with. So he was like, I got an internship. You know, you can come down for the summer and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, cool. So I go to my parents. I'm like, mom, dad, I'm moving to Philadelphia and I'm in Charlotte. At, no, I'm sorry. I'm in Rock Hill, South Carolina at this point. And they're like, you're moving to Philly. And I'm like, yeah, I got a job. They're like, you got a job? You're in school oh. and you're playing ball. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's unpaid. It's this, you know, I got an internship, but it's what I want to do. And he's like, uh, they were like, I think you need to finish school and then you can get to that. I was like, all right, fine. So then I start reading all the, um, I read, you know, reading all the articles, I keep in contact with Jim Steele mm -hmm. and I get my first internship at North Carolina State University and where I'm at now. And oh, I go wait, so you didn't move to Philly. You didn't take an internship. You didn't jump no, didn't. off a cliff sporadically. <laughs> no, no, I survived. And I just was like, fine, I'll, I'll find something in the area. And right, there was right, two right. hours up the street for a summer internship at NC State. So I went there for a summer and I was like, I'll never live in Raleigh in my life. This was like 2004. I was like, Raleigh sucks. This okay. is terrible. That's um, hilarious. So then I finished that internship, finished playing, you know, playing ball and all this kind of stuff, graduate from undergrad. And while I was in NC State, the head basketball strength coach there was Charles Stevenson. And he told me, go get your master's degree. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I love this area. I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. So I'll, I'll go get my master's degree at UNC Charlotte, which was clinical exercise physiology, which was God awful. I mean, it was, <laughs> I was like, it was 5 a.m. and I'm just reading EKGs and hanging oh. out with uh, senior population and like people right out of cardiac rehab, pulmonary rehab, all like, that whole deal. This isn't it. This, this is isn't it. I mean, I, after my first semester, 
I got put on academic probation and literally I had an intervention with one of my good friends in that school and a professor. And he's like, they're like, okay, Christy, everybody in the program knows that you want to be a strength coach. We all know, but like you came here to get your master's degree. You're going to need to get it together. And I'm like, guys, if I see one more EKG, I'm going, it's not going to be good. I'm, it's not going to be good. No, I, like you just, you I, just got a pack. I feel that though. So, hard when you have that end goal and there's like so many little fluffy things you need to do to get there. It's hard. Oh my God. It was like the longest road known to man. I mean, it was terrible. So, you know, I'm in there. I got my, my graduate, my uh, graduate degree paid uh, for by uh, running a fitness program for people with like all these chronic medical conditions uh, called feeling fine after 59. So like not the population that you wanted to work with. No, so on top of the, the 5 a.m., you know, uh, senior population and like staring at EKGs with like all these cardiac rehab guys, I have to go and like sit in like this gym and, you know, deal with like, it was entertaining. I had a great time, but it was just not my speed. So at that point I start interning at, I'm in grad school. I started interning at UNC Charlotte, their strength and conditioning program and Davidson College. Mm-hmm. I'm going back and forth. I'm doing the practicum. I'm doing strength and conditioning. I'm just having a great time. Mm-hmm. So then I graduate and uh, start applying for everything on, uh, that I saw in the collegiate sector. I mean, I applied for athletic training jobs. I applied for, you know, athletic director jobs. I just knew that I needed to get into the collegiate scene and then I could find my way into strength and conditioning. Oh, somehow, some way. I'll get there. That's my AD, completely unqualified, yeah. completely not my path, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So then I get this phone call one day. I'm sitting on my floor and uh, doing, I don't know, stretching or something. Probably not stretching. I never stretch. But I'm, I'm okay. sitting there and they, I get a phone call. He's like, hey, it's Kevin DeWeese from um, Moorhead State in Kentucky. And I said, where? And he's like, Moorhead State. I was like, okay. And he's like, you applied for a job. And I'm like, yeah, I man, I applied for a I lot did. of jobs. Did I, though? I was like, mm, you're gonna need to, you need to give me more information. So I went to Moorhead State, and I was, uh, I got, they were like, it was a GA position. And he was like, it's a GA position. I was like, I already got my master's. That's taken care of. He was like, well, this is a GA position, so you got to get another master's. I was like, I'm not doing that. I was like, turn it into a part-time gig. He was like, let me go make a few phone calls and and let's see what we can do. So he does that and he comes back. He's like, we can make it a part-time gig. And uh, I was like, great. What's the salary? He's like, $10,000. I was like, let's go. I've never made a dollar at all. I'm like, let's do this. Like, when do you need me there? I am rich. I'm rich. When do you need me there? In about a week. Okay, great. Mom, dad, I got to move to Kentucky. For what? I got a job. Well, how much, what's your salary? All this stuff. And they were like, I was like, $10,000. They were like, okay. I was like, I got to do it. Like coaching, it sucks. Like, you know, they say, the internet says that like, I won't get paid much for a very long time, but I got to get in the door. So I go down to Moorhead State. And I get it like it's in clear, like I got a condo in Clearfield, Kentucky. And it was like a mountain, a trailer park, a meth lab. And then the school that was like right there. 
And I, hey, and I it's it's a job. It's a foot. It's, it's a job. It's a job. I mean, it was in the middle. It was January 11th. I'll never forget it. It was cold and like the, everything was barren. It was terrible. And so I get to my condo, brand new, like 12, 1300 square feet, $500 uh, 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 a month. I mean, it was cheap. It was between <laughs> a meth lab and another meth lab. Like there was, yes, it, it, was it was a steal. So I call my parents and I just cry. I just like freak out. Like, what are we doing? I can't believe I'm like, you know, 14 hours away from home. Like, this is terrible. They're like, you were there for a job, do it. So I get there and um, I was a strength coach for assistant for football, assistant for basketball. And then I had like tennis and softball. And a couple other things. And then at that, at that school. Just a couple other things. Yeah, there's a couple, a couple, a couple other sports. There's only two of us. And then we, at that school, we had to wear, we were the nutritionists. So we gave out our packets and all that kind of stuff and did all that, all that thing. So then I, I left. When I got to Moorhead, I told the head guy, I said, look, man, I'm, I'm applying for jobs immediately. I can't be here. This is terrible. Just ahead. I'm out. And yeah, I'm out as soon as somebody calls. So I start applying for jobs and Jim Steele over at University of Pennsylvania hits me up and he's like, hey, we, or I, I applied for the job. He's like, come out for an interview. I was like, great. So I went out and had the interview, did all the things. And then on the way back, he calls me. He's like, we're not going to give you the job. I was devastated. I mean, devastated. I was like, you were the guy. Like, I, we had a great interview. Did I do anything wrong? It was like my hey. first rejection. It's fucking hurt. So, and then he's like, but wait, but wait. I want to offer you the part-time gig. Like, we got a part-time gig. We had somebody in-house. We're going to move them up to the part, to the full-time position. And then we want to move you into the part-time. I was like, yes. Wait, and, it was, and it was in Philadelphia. So oh. I was like, we're be- this is better than Clearfield. Yeah, better than Kentucky. Any, we only can go up. That's it. I said, so what's the salary? $13,000. And I was like, yeah. So I was like. It's more than 10. We're moving up. more than 10. We're going up. Call my parents. Moving to Philadelphia. Got a job with Jim Steele. That's the guy that I have to work with. They were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I got to go. They were like, you just. I was like, got to go. I had $13,000. I got a raise. Like, this is perfect. So did you so, keep in contact with Jim Steele since you like like cold called him like back yeah, in the day or not really? Just a touch, like just here and there, like hey, how you doing? But not not very not too much. So I get I pack up my U-Haul, big old twenty uh twenty foot long U-Haul, and I'm like barreling down sixty four, going to you know Philadelphia on a big big old mountain. And I'm like oh god. I hit a wall at one point. And then like when you hit a wall in like these big trucks, mm-hmm. like you can't get back in control. So for like 30, like 30, I don't know, a hundred yards. A wall like legit, physically that. you hit the car into the, into yeah. the wall. Got it. The, the, the parameters of the truck, I didn't know it. So I'm just like slamming into dirty. stuff and the, the car is just doing this. And I'm like, Oh God, it's, it's, this is bad. This is bad. So I roll into uh, roll into Philadelphia. I got I had got on Craigslist and I saw an apartment that had great pictures, wonderful pictures. I was like, this oh, is no. where I'm gonna live. It's like right on campus. This is gonna be great. 
So I roll up there and I ain't, I grew up in the country. I'm, I'm not nothing. I'm not a city mouse. So I roll up in the city and uh, I get to the place and the apartment is the size of this office. It's probably, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not 12 foot by 12 foot. I mean, I was just like, what, like, what is going on? I was like, I can't sign the lease. He was like, you said you were going to sign the lease. And I said, I got a 20 foot U-Haul that's bigger than this entire unit. There's no way that I'm signing the lease. He was like, well, you're going to, so I walked out. I walked mm-hmm. out and then I did, I had to live in my U-Haul. Well, actually I went and got a, a, a hotel and then I started work on a Monday. This was like on Friday or like a Saturday, out of Saturday, Saturday. And then, so I got a hotel Saturday night and started looking in the, in like the paper and Craigslist trying to find an apartment. Finally found one. Unpacked all my stuff, signed all the paperwork, and then I went to went to work to go say hi to all my new people. And he was like, "Don't park in that parking spot. They're going to tell you it says for sports medicine people only, and you're not sports medicine. You're not a sports medicine patient." I was like, "They're not going to. They're not going to ticket me. They're not going to tell me. They're not going to do anything." Again, country mouse. I'm not a city mouse. I don't nah, believe we're it. Good. We're good. Don't worry about that. Don't we're worry good. about that. We're good. Where do I park? I park in sports medicine. Convenient. I come out. My truck is on the tow bed. And I'm like. He comes out. He's at the food truck. My head, the head strength coach, Jim Steele, he's a food truck. He's like, he looks over. He's like, I told you. I told you not to park over there. So I'm like begging the tow guy, like, can you please just put it down? He's going to cost you a hundred bucks, 125 bucks to get it off. Get it off. This yeah. is my home right now. <laughs> you want me to get it off and give you, like, okay, whatever. So I give him the money. And then, like, I start strength coaching. I had uh, six, six, six or seven teams at that point. It's Ivy League. So it was 33 mm-hmm. sports. There's four strength coaches. Everybody had a whole buttload of teams. But it's good because you get a bunch of reps with coaching and different cultures of different sports and stuff like that. And so yeah. it's great. So I was there for a year. Um, and also to close off that weekend, I, I had, a, I had just bought a pair of like these sunglasses. I left them on my center console. It had to have been like four days after I started work. I come out the next morning, the whole back window of my car has been busted. They went in and rummaged through everything. I'm like, what is this city stuff? Like, I don't understand what this city life is about. All this good is- signs for this start. All really great, you know, good start. So- I was there for a year because um, it was only 13 grand. And when I was at in Moorhead, I had applied for a whole bunch of jobs. I went to a, I went to a couple of like interviews. James Madison University had called me and I went and interviewed for them. So they called me and said, we've got a full time position uh, for you. No bennies, um, but we want you to come out and take this job. So I went out there and before I went out there, Jim Steele looked at me and said, don't leave. And I said, I need that on paper. Like if you're going to give me a full, he's right. like, I'm going to have a full-time job for you. Just, I just need a couple months. And I was like, I need that on paper. He's like, I can't. He said, but this full-time guy, he's leaving. He's not going to be here. And I was like, I got to go with like, what's for sure. I got to go steal. I got to go. I guess so, you're giving me 13 grand here. Like we yeah. got, we got to, <laughs> I got to go, man. I got to go. <laughs> so I ended up going. And he was right. 
because the guy, the, the strength coach that was there, he was, of you know, he ate pancakes and like sausage, like all, like like on repeat all day long. He was not a very healthy guy at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. He ends up having he they we pushed a prowler at some point. I think I came back. I was moving or something. He was pushing a prowler with all of us sleds for conditioning. And then he showered. He went upstairs. He passes out. He doesn't pass out. He has a heart attack. A full, I mean, eyes. Like, I didn't see him, but Steele and all them saw because they were going to the food truck. So his diet was way worse than just pancakes and sausage. It was just... Oh, yeah, it was just pancakes and sausage, like... Not that that's going to cause a heart attack, but just, like... Just on repeat for probably four years, that's, like, that's the only thing he ate was sausage, like, pork and sausage and all the just terrible things that you could eat on repeat. Yeah. So he had this heart attack. He was like, okay, I'm done with I'm done with this. So he left. Mm-hmm. So I'm at James Madison at this point. And at that point, I was working with track and field softball, assisting with basketball there. I get a phone call. It had been like five months. I was there four, four or five months. Steel's like, come back. Uh, so-and-so died. And I said, he died? He was like, he didn't die. They He died, but then he came back. But like, he's done. So R.I.P., so we want to move you back in. I'm like, sweet, let's do it. So oh, then God. I pack up all my stuff. Mm-hmm. I come back to Philly. So at that point, I'm back in Philly for 10 years and or nine years. I was working. We all worked football. Uh, I had stick and ball, baseball, softball, all the soccers and like fencing and like two other teams. So I was there for 10 years and then had a bunch of like little administrative stuff. Not a lot, but a couple things I had to do. And then in 2019, we got the old staff got let go. Mm. See you later. We're, we're done here, which is unheard of. Um, yeah. Ivy League because Ivy League is like, you go there for stability. Nobody mm. cares about the Ivy League, you know, sports and all that kind of stuff. Nobody cares. Mm. Like you're there. You're good. But no, we all got let go. They had new um, administrators come in. All this kind of stuff. They clean house. All right, great. So now I'm on. The, now I'm in the basement. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? So there was a school that showed up. It was Bryn Mawr College. This is a D3 all women school up in Philly. Mm-hmm. And so I went there part time just to kill time until I found my next uh, like full time job. Um, <clears throat> was there for probably like five, three or four months. And then I got the call up from one of my buddies. He was the strength coach with the Indianapolis Colts. And so, and he was at Brown for forever university and he went to the XFL. So I went to the XFL and like we had, that was in 2019 or something, had training camp in Houston, had training camp in like New York. So we're traveling a lot. And then we settled into like Mawa, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, hung out there and until COVID hit and it cut the season in half. So game five. Oh, that's right. Um, they were like, we're done. Like COVID is shutting every, everything down. You're done. So I'm like back at home in the basement. So I'm like, Oh man, like what am I supposed to do now? So then one of my good buddies who I work with at UPenn, she was a strength coach, but she went and did a fellowship with the NFL 
and they asked her if uh, she knew anybody who would want to work in the NFL. And I'm in the basement. I don't have anything to do. And so they're like, yeah, call Christy. So then I get a phone call from Mike Vrabel, which is a head uh, head coach for the Tennessee Titans. And he calls me and he's like, you want to come up for a job? And I was like, yeah, fly me out. So they flew me out, went out to Tennessee. And I did, I met the whole staff, met with the, sh- the strength and conditioning staff and all that. They were great. And then... I moved out to Nashville. And so when I moved out to Nashville. I was, I thought I was only supposed to be there for just like training camp. So then they kept me on for the entire season. And then during that entire time, um, I was applying for jobs because I didn't know like what the stability looked like. Right. And so I applied for this NC state director job. And at the end of the season, they're like, you know, you can stay, you can go, but you got, there's like a lull where you have to go home and hang out for a little bit, but then you come back for camp. I was like, great. And so then NC State called. I applied for NC State, and then I got that gig. And so I've been here since 2000 and something, 2021. 2021. Back to NC State where you were like, I hate Raleigh. I never going to leave Raleigh. Yeah, back to where it's full circle. Full, it's seriously full circle. I feel like a lot of young professionals, like, don't understand the grind starting out. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like what you, like your entire journey of just like creating opportunity for yourself, number one, and then also just being like, fuck it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you just have to go. Well, for, like in my mind, like there's no grind because it's all fun. Like all right, that was right, fun. Right, right. So like, there's, like, I'm not grinding. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not digging ditches. I'm not doing anything. I'm lifting weights and helping kids and doing all this stuff. And it's just like, this is fun. But like mm-hmm. a lot of kids, I think stifle themselves because they tell themselves like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not, well, you don't have that. You don't have that privilege yet to say no. You right. get to say yes to a lot of things and find right. your edge and see what it is that you like, what you don't like, take notes, grow, do all the things. And okay. then as you get older, you can be picky, but right. not early on. I guess the grind is, you're right. The grind, because when you love what you do, it's not really a grind. I guess it's like the the experience to be able to say, no, I don't want to live at, live in Kentucky. For ten thousand dollars, right? You know, like that isn't as great as the AD for strength and conditioning at NC State where you are now. Like it's a very different, yeah, (laughs) in terms of levels, um, and like job titles and everything. But I I feel like it. I've talked to a lot of students and like, yo, just cold call, volunteer, internship, like do whatever you need to do. Don't be afraid of the bridge jobs. Like, yeah, try it. Like. Absolutely. They're like cold call. You mean cold like, text? No, mean? Cold no, call. no. Cold Pick call. Up the phone. Call Dial the phone. <laughs> Google the staff directory. You can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's awesome, though. I, I relate to that. I think a lot of people are scared to pick up the phone and be like, yo, I read your paper. I loved it. Let's work together. So I think that's I mean, awesome. Yeah, I, I, to this day, I still do it. Like, I read a couple yeah. articles. I mean, it was about nothing. It was some psychologist. Uh, who wrote a an article I literally hit him up because I was like I want to hear more about that because I have a similar experience and he he's out in England Mm -hmm. we sat on the zoom for five hours and now we're best friends the whole day 
I mean, it's like four o'clock here and it was like eight o'clock here. So it's like 12 a.m. there. He's like drinking wine. Like we're just sharing stories. I'm like, man, you're a good dude. And it it completely warmed my heart because I was like, people like love. I mean, people want to talk. People want to help. People want to do all the things. So cold call everybody. Yeah. No, cold call, make connections. I still do that now. I mean, you just, I think a lot of people are like afraid of like feeling cringy or feeling stupid and it's like no don't be afraid of you don't be afraid (laughs) because everybody wants to help everybody everybody's trying to trying to grow yes it's really it breaks it down to like such a simple method of growing your career because it's really all about who you know to be honest i mean yeah all that so how so you kind of like in terms of your journey in terms of how you got to where you are now like what mentors or what like who were like the most influential or or influential moments I guess in that journey that you were like oh I like what you're doing or was it just like reps that just like you figured it out like trial and error or was it like a blueprint? I know. A Jim Steele, huge influential character in my life. Uh, I worked with him at UPenn mm-hmm. um, when I got fired. That was. I mean, it was like they call it was Friday. It was Friday, and he was like, "We're gonna have a meeting. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have a meeting on Monday, but it's gonna be upstairs." I'm like, "We live, we work together in a weight room. Why are we going right. upstairs?" So it was like a lot of weird. We go in that day, and I had a great workout. I mean, it was beautiful. Wow, it was beautiful. It was like a May day. Blue skies. Oh, you're like on cloud nine right now. Oh yeah. I was like, what's going on? Like, what are we doing? And then we go in and HR sitting there. I'm like, this is weird. Like, why is why you want to work you? out, man? What do you need? What do you need? <laughs> doing you lift weights? Um, yeah. And it's like, uh, hey, effective immediately. We're terminating. We say what? And it's like the rest of that day. I like drove a, a, a little uh, scooter, a little 150cc. I became a city rat. I became a city mouse. I was you know, riding around on my feet. You haul. Yeah. <laughs> so I cried my eyes out all the way home, all the way home. And then I get on home. Scooter. On my scooter. I'm on the phone talking You're to my mom. Blowing in the wind. Holy. Just, it's terrible. My mom's like, it's going to be okay. Like, my dad's like, everybody gets fired once in their life. And I'm like, I'm like dodging. I'm like hitting stuff. It's just not good. It's not good. So I get home and I immediately start applying for jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I immediately start applying for jobs. I call everybody, anybody who's a strength coach, especially if you worked in football, you've been fired, especially if you probably yeah. have been in it long enough and at like a power five level, you've been let go or whatever, basketball. So I called a bunch of uh, people within my network and they gave me all this advice about what to do, how to handle it and all this kind of stuff. So again, it just goes back to people wanting to help and people wanting to like, 100%. you know, help you get through hard times and all that kind of stuff. So during that, I talked to Roger Mandino, who was at, uh, who I work with at the XFL, Bob Alejo, who was, <clears throat> he was a former strength coach here at NC state for a good little while. And, um, yeah. 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 Uh, those are three people. I mean, Tracy Zimmer, who I still talk to. She, I work with her at UPenn. 
Like just people that you stay in contact with. They all go through their own shit. You're going through your own shit. You stay in contact with them. You learn how to navigate all that stuff together. Right. Um, and then like the day-to-day stuff. I mean, my God, like you, you know, dealing with like different types of administrators, dealing with different type of coaches, mm-hmm. dealing with people on staff, how to manage a staff, how you don't want to manage a staff, like all that stuff yeah. comes into play. Yeah. Um, so and it's I- all a learning experience. And I feel feel like the more experience you have, the more tailored you are to when you are at where you're at, like an administrative level, that you yeah. you know exactly how to run your staff or how you want to run your staff, and you know how you don't want to run your staff. Yeah, I know exactly how I don't. <laughs> it's like I, you know, you've been at some certain places, and you're like, oh my god, like oh this my is god. not. I do not ever want to be managed like this ever, like ever again. Yeah. I gotta go. Like I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you got to learn from all of the stuff. You think that there's a, an ability to learn not through experience? I just feel like there's so many people that, like, in the nutrition profession right now, it's growing so fast that, like, very young people are just getting jobs that are director jobs or whatever. Like, how do you, what would you say to those people? Or not even just in nutrition, just any any field of, like, how do you learn as you go if you get thrown into the fire like that? Oh, you gotta talk. You, you gotta talk to people because don't. Yeah. Well, one, be humble enough to say that you right. don't know. Right. You do not know. Right. You can read all the books in the world. You can, you know, do all that stuff, but like, you still have no fucking clue what you're doing. Uh-huh. And so your best bet is to go contact somebody who does know. Right. Right. And I, and hopefully it's not the blind leading the blind, but more. Oh so my just, god. You know. <laughs> dealing yeah. dealing with what with, with what comes for sure um yeah no i think experience and just people like leaning on people and like you said being humble is like huge being humble and then also like even if like your background isn't collegiate strength and conditioning or something and you've worked in the private sector like you're going to bring like, and you're somehow thrown into the mix to be a director at a collegiate level because mm-hmm. you just ended up in that position. Like you've never been a director. Um, you also have some confidence in yourself that like you were hired for a reason, you know, so believe in yourself and not, I mean, imposter syndrome is like a thing, but like, you got to work really hard to not have that. Like if you're thrown in as a, a you know, fake uh, it till you make it a little bit position that you've never had. Right. Like it was for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like you got to work really hard to build up your self-concept um, of believing in yourself and things like that. But I, you know, there's, you bring something to the table, even if like, right. You've never been in a, a certain position or something like that. Right. So I, I think, think there's a lot of, you can pick up those experiences and how you want to, you know, your philosophies and all of the ways you practice, like through other things, like very transfer, transferable skills. Yes. If you will. Yes. And then kind of tailor your niche as you go. And hopefully you get good mentors and all of that. Um, Absolutely. Kind of pivoting a little bit. Speaking of philosophies, when we first met, <laughs> the first question you asked, what's your nutrition philosophy? And I answered with my answer, but which was basically just meeting people where they are at, like bringing the old school to the new school, like with the data and the the old like rhetorics, but also like being able to be adaptable, I guess is my, my long winded, short winded philosophy. But what would have been, or what have you heard as like 
red flags. Like, like from dietitians that are like in the sports world that you are like, because we have a couple, like we use this question when we interview, like what is your nutrition okay. philosophy? And so when we hear certain answers, it's like, red flag. Oh, like red flag. So as a strength coach, like what is your, like things that you've laughed about or things that you've like been like, hmm, that's an odd one. Well, I think that any, any time you see somebody who's super dogmatic in their approach, like mm-hmm. it's just very rigid mm-hmm. and this is the way that it is, period, that, you know, hard stop. Wait a minute. What? Um, if you hear things about uh, intuitive eating, like at, at the collegiate level, these 18 to 22 year olds and like, you don't necessarily, I mean, there's a time and there's a place I understood, but off top. Coming in, I just don't think that that should be leading your brigade. Um, like leading your philosophy. Like, if that is just your, like, yep, it's just intuitive eating, that's my. Yeah. Like, and it could, I, be, well, it could be your thing. It could fit in, you know, but within, right. hopefully, there's more explanation that comes with that, that fits yeah. within the sports world. And education. And, like, because right. I intuitively want to eat banana pudding today and tomorrow. <laughs> For breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know what I'm saying? Like some of these kids just want Swedish fish. Like, you know, I can find a way to sit here and BS somebody all the way through what it is that I intuitively want to eat. But right. you know, just edu- I mean, yes. So, like you said, like hopefully there's a bunch of education that leads up to that. If you, you know, if you believe in intuitive eating or if, if belief is a thing in, right. in nutrition and stuff. But like, yes, I guess that that's that's the same thing with. A lot of stuff like there just needs to be a lot of education um yeah leading up to like philosophy and and understanding and knowing how to end integrate um what they're already doing with what you right what your expertise brings to the table like how do you integrate both of them because yeah 100 percent. because i think there's a way to spin intuitive eating in the right way like okay, you want some Swedish fish today? Let's, let's see how we can shape that <laughs> without just right, right. eat it, Swedish fish for every meal right now. Like let's <laughs> take, let's take yeah. a, let's take a step back just to, just a smidge a little bit and see where this fits in. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that could go into like any field. Like I'm sure you've run into strength coaches and, and even, I mean, coaches and administrate, like the, the education thing is huge. I think in regards to shaping. But then like, I I feel like a lot of the stuff, like with the way people train, with the way people eat, like it goes so much more into like, like it's so like, if you say something opposite of what it is that it it is a direct threat to some people. Like like you're talking about my mom. Wait a minute. I'm (laughs) wait. Wait a minute. I look. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. Let's temper that. I didn't say anything about your mom, but like, you know, but like people believe wholeheartedly because they've done it for so long. You've done it. And it's like ingrained in their nervous system to like, this is the way that you train no matter what. So it's just more so a lack of flexibility in the way that one may think. So if you are mm-hmm. so closed-minded that you think that that's the only way that their success right that's problematic right and that goes for for any aspect of anything in athletics really to be honest like how you train how you you know condition how you how you live weights, how you eat like and even just as like leaders of that like if if you have that domain like 
you being over the strength coaches. If you were like, this is the only way we are doing it. There's just so much more. I feel just people are just missing out on so many other things. And, and like speaking for myself, like nutrition is changing, not the like principles and like the solid recommendations, but just different science and different research methodologies are coming out. And it's like, why would you not be open to adapt to that? Absolutely. Like, grow and evolve. Be be flexible in that thinking for sure. I think, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's wild when you have somebody that's so rigid. How do you manage that? Like when you work with somebody like that, whether it's a like colleague in strength training or like another dietitian that you work with or, you know, psychologist or athletic trainer, or even if we're really going down to it, like coaches. Um, I, you know, somehow, some way you do need to stay within your scope of practice. Yeah. And I think that the bottom line is like, if I disagree with something that you're doing or something that, you know, Mm -hmm. we work together. So it's like, well, maybe I need to inform myself. Mm. So Jesse, can you educate me on your thought process and things like that? And at the bottom line and at the, at the, at the, at the foundation of it all, is the kids safe? Are the athletes safe with her right. philosophy, with your philosophies or whatever the case may be? Um, and if they are, then we're just arguing semantics. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not going to cross over to, uh, uh, to the dietitian's world and be like, you said that they need to be eating X. I don't necessarily, you know, you know, I'm not just not right. going to do that. But if the kids say right. when you have a different means and methods to sit here and, and, and give to that kid, because that's you work with them. That's your job. That's your scope of practice. That's not mine. Right. Maybe I need to learn something from you. Teach me something, yeah. Jesse. Uh, teach me something, so-and-so. And then ask questions again. Be humble enough to ask questions mm-hmm. and to not act like, you know, I mean, you can't act like you know everything. Right. At all. Because it's but like. so long as a kid is. Right. It's like taking the egos out of it. Like just taking your ego out of it, like taking out like all of those things and kind of going back to being flexible and like having the humility to be like, teach me, like, you know, more than me in this area. Teach me. Right. (laughs) Or like, why are you doing certain things so I can reinforce or we can have a conversation about it? I think that's, that's huge. Absolutely. Working within different interdisciplinaries, I think. Um, And then, most most us like if something's come up where it's just been like an asinine thing to do i just say why i say why what is what is your reasoning behind this or and then and then when they answer you you just keep asking why and then usually they cut they keep they talk themselves and they they begin to hear how asinine the shit is that they say yeah and it's like Okay. Oh, you now now you understand why I keep asking the same damn question over and over again. But like, yeah. you gotta get to the bottom of it. Why? Well, because my mom did it. Like, uh, but I, you know, I, that's not good enough for me. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know what to do with that. Man, it's yeah, yeah. I think that is a. It's it really just boils down to like education, but then being flexible with that. You know, it's yes. so. <laughs> Kind of speaking specifically, you kind of mentioned even at Moorhead State that there was no dietitian present. Was there like, and I I talked about this on the first episode, but I mean, the NFL just hired their first dietitian in 2008. 
and yeah. NBA hired their first dietitian like full time in 2015. So like, what is, so it's new, it's new. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you were like, yeah, we didn't have a dietitian at 90% of my jobs. Like what is yeah. it, what was, what, I guess, how do you quantify that? Like, what is your experience working with dietitians prior to, to NC State? Um, or even just how, like your view on it, like how it's changed. It's been limited, like, because even at UPenn, I was there for nine years, and I think we had a dietitian the last four. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was 999 athletes. I think we had one one dietitian for a long time and a part-timer. So, I mean, there's a huge need in this. If anybody who works in collegiate athletics, I mean, kids get better despite their eating efforts right. like they i mean they're eating swedish fish i mean what are we doing and they and they still get better i was let's let's be real like i was a college athlete too wake up go to weights run the beep tests okay cool. <laughs> top five who wants chick-fil-a like <laughs> i need a nap i need a 20 minute nap like, <laughs> it's it's wild but like the ceiling is for the athletes to actually I would say reach like anywhere close to their potential. Like that is a big need mm-hmm. to have dietitians available for your athletes um, right. because they, they don't, I mean, if anybody who's been in collegiate athletics, you talk to a kid, you may have one or two athletes per team who has a good, right. you know, a solid working knowledge of like what they should be eating. But even then you can clean that stuff up. Um, oh, yeah. but then for the majority of them, they, there's, they're yeah. listening to TikTok. I mean, at this point they're listening to yeah. TikTok and like whatever fads are going on. And I'm like, okay, yeah. like, you know, yeah, on. no, it's been, it's, um, it's like a, it's like, a, it's a blessing and a curse having this much information at our fingertips in this day and age, like with the mm-hmm. TikToks and all those things, I've learned some cool things from TikTok, but I've seen yeah. some outrageous things in regards to diet, nutrition, strength training, like everybody's kind of looking for that quick fix. And it's, it's funny, like even just dialing your nutrition in a little bit and dialing in the recovery a little bit, like it can change the game for you. Like it can, it can, and and most kids are just like, no, I've done this my whole life. Like I ate Bojangles for pregame and why, why do I need to change? Like it's working for me. And I'm like, but you could be so much better. Yeah, if you don't want to be, if you don't want to be better, that's fine. Just tell me, and I'll leave you alone. Right, just like if that's where you're at, behavior change wise, like that's fine. But um, yeah, the TikTok thing and the information out there is it's wildfire. Like it's yeah, it's it's like um, the problem with like the food stuff, like and especially now, instant gratification. Instant mm-hmm. gratification is you know you gotta have it. If not, then like I'm not gonna pay any attention to it whatsoever. Right. You right. tell a kid you get on some carbohydrate periodization across the course of the week or something like that, you give them that, they're not going to necessarily feel it. Like, they're not going to be right. like, oh, yeah, but right. give them, if you, if you tell them here's a pre-workout, you're going to feel this or whatever, right. or blah, blah, blah. You, that's, it's, it's immediate, but you right. can't give them a plan and then they wake up the mm-hmm. next day and they're like, is it yes. working yet? They're, they're, yeah. They're never. yeah. And then they go see yeah. other people and yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, but there's, there's some good things too. Like if, if somebody is like a crazy cramper, 
and there's like immediate fixes mm-hmm. to that. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't create right. this game. That's crazy. You're on to something, Jess. And it's like, yeah, there you, there's your buy-in. There's, there's your right. buy-in. Jessie right. knows what she's talking about. Okay, so now yeah, I feel I don't feel like I'm getting the energy that I need at my twelve o'clock session. What do you think? So then now they're coming to you. So like you get these little things from those guys. Like you right. got you got them not. They're no longer cramping at, at games. Great. So now they believe in you. Right. Even though that like that's just the that's little that's like the tip of the iceberg. That's nothing for your dietitian mind. That's <laughs> like it's not the fun stuff yet. Like I'm not even we're not even there. You know. So it's just. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, the same thing goes for, for strength training in my mind too. It's like the kids that are, it's across the board. If you're just consistent and you do all of the right things, like, and you don't skip reps and you come in if you need extra or you ask questions. And if you're dedicated to that, like you will, it's not going to be overnight, but you will see what you want to see performance wise. Absolutely. So, but yeah. Um, what is I guess the last question kind of wrapping up like how do you deal with that athlete who's like just not bought in to like your program my program like how do you just like but he's like or she's or they're crushing it wherever you know on the court on the field like how do you how do you create that buy-in you know you know I think that one the kid has to want to Hmm. want to buy in right um and I don't think that we necessarily can have any of that, but like trying to find a what, trying to find a way in to, like I said earlier, integrate our, you know, our stuff into what they're already doing. So even if that's not like he's, oh, you know, I've never, I've never squatted in season, and I'm, ne- I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. Okay, well, can we find a way to integrate some leg work during the season? I don't care what it is that you want to do. What would you like to do? Oh, I just want to do some body weight hip thrust. Great. Let's do that. Let's do that and see what happens. And then somehow try to like either gamify it or find a way for them to actually, for them to start paying attention to the results that they get from that. And then, then slowly like, Hey coach, you know, I noticed you know, my legs feel this way, you know, after that. And I like the way that felt, you know, what do you think we can do next? All right, well, let's try this next. And so now they're coming to you and asking questions. And now you can start to like have a better working re- uh, relationship with your with your athletes. Because I mean, at the bottom, at, at the end of the day, it's like you have to create an alliance with your athletes. Right. Period. The trust, the trust like, is their problem. Right. It's, it, yeah. it, it can't be about you. You got to take yourself out of it. But it's all about the trust in you. To where they could go on TikTok and and Google or search anything, but if they're like, yeah. oh, you know what, Christy gave me that that good program, or like I trust her, like I'm gonna go yeah. with her about this. Like I Absolutely. think that's, that's the bottom line. You kind of hit it yeah. on the head there. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I got. How the journey, the 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 buy-ins. I love it. I love it. Let's do it. That was wow. good, Christy. I appreciate your time. Um. Everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you next time.